Welcome to Charting Uncharted Waters, Special Education in the Days of COVID, a project of the Olivet Nazarene University Special Education Program. We know that the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the work of special educators, and we want to understand how. With this podcast, we are aiming to gather future special educators together to listen to the reflections of practicing special educators, particularly listening for the ways their work has changed since the initial wave of coronavirus cases caused our schools to close back in March. Every episode is a conversation between someone from Olivet, either a special education major or a professor on one side of the table, and a practicing special ed teacher from one of our local schools on the other. Hello everyone, so my name is Maddie Manganello and I'm a student at Olivet and I'm interviewing Mrs. Clausing. She's a special education teacher in Bourbonnet. She is fantastic and I've had the privilege to watch her and grow in my knowledge of teaching children. Super happy to be here. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about your family? Sure. So why don't I start off with teaching experience too? I started my teaching career at Indian Oaks Academy and I worked there for three years and then um, I moved to a public district and I've been there for eight years and my little family is growing. So I am due in April with our second and I think we're not going to find out what it is. So We have one daughter at home. She just turned seven. And then my husband and I just got married two years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Can you walk through an average day at your school prior to 2020? Sure. So special education is, I think, a special kind of schedule, right? So it never looks the same on day to day. And normally our kids had a very long schedule. So... When you look at a typical day for us, we have to factor in different grade levels for special education. We have to factor in specials in the general education classroom. We have to factor in IEP minutes and services they receive. And so a typical day might look like I start my day and I usually had about 11 groups a day in and out. Um, The kids would come for their minutes grouped in their specific ability level ability level and so they would come down in those small groups we would usually run small groups maybe 30 minute groups and if they had maybe let's say 60 minutes of resource math they would come with me for maybe 30 of those direct minutes and then they would come and do 30 minutes of centers or something else that i've had planned for them So in those centers, like what are some type of activities that you would do for like students um, who like you're just teaching a certain subject or that like you're they're having a hard time understanding and you want them to like get a good understanding of that? Sure. So um, obviously there's a lot of modalities, right, in special education. And so we learn the best by how we learn, right? So if we're a visual learner or if we're a kinesthetic learner or if we are an auditory learner. So it's, you know, the first couple of weeks is always getting to know your children, Mm -hmm. right? And it's really panning out on what kind of activities are gonna be best for them. Mm -hmm. Are they hands-on learners? And do they need manipulatives? Do they need base 10 blocks in front of them? Do they need, you know, different things to make that work? And then from there, I would kind of schedule those groups, how they would have 
basically a folder of work, whether they were working with me on it, maybe it was an independent task, it could have been a technology task, it could have been with working with the aid task, those types of things. And so we just try and use different modalities to get the kids, you know, kind of learning in the way that they do learn. So can you tell me what your classroom looks like now with like all the COVID-19 restrictions that we've had to place on schools? Um, what, what does a typical day look like now? So now our days look very different. Um, when we used to, I teach with another teacher at my school. And so a couple years back, we decided the way that we could spend the most time face-to-face interaction with the kids and not have to always have them do centers you know, for a part of their time would be to split the math and reading. And so I would take the math and she would take the reading and we took all the grade levels, obviously mm-hmm. K through four um, at the time, the building's only K through three now. Um, so that has changed a little bit too because we don't have fourth grade in our building anymore. So K through three is a lot easier to manage, I think, than K through four. But we could not do that this year with the contact tracing. So we actually had to split and I had to teach reading math and she has to teach reading math. And so it looks a lot different. We're not able to do some of the things that we've always done, small group instruction, you know, the things and the research that we've done for years as far as, you know, small group and what it does for kids and flexible seating. And um, I wrote down like some other things, just spacing them and having them work together or turn and talk to a neighbor. All that stuff looks different because of of how we have to run the classroom. So um, this year is really kind of putting a damper on, you know, any of that working together and working with manipulatives, a lot of that stuff the kids aren't supposed to use. But the teachers have done a great job putting together like little math kits Mm -hmm. and having their own stuff in their desk. Or uh, most recently we had a teacher and they have like plexiglass and they have two so they can push like the seats closer together so the kids can try and turn and talk. Teachers are having to be the most creative they probably ever have had to be. Yeah. So do you you find it hard for you to like witness like this happening like students not being able to collaborate as much with each other is that hard for you to see well absolutely because what we do know and what research tells us right is that that's a huge part of learning you know not only is that um, small group and they're learning from each other but it's a social emotional thing Mm -hmm. too and so a lot of those kids aren't getting that social emotional piece that they need or have needed for working with groups and being interactive with people and seeing, you know, face to face and smiling at each other. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all kind of looks so different this year. Yeah, I think the having the masks that like cover up facial expressions, I think that totally plays a huge part on relationships and especially the relationship dynamic between the teacher and the student. Because like when you affirm a child, like you give them a smile and, and they don't get to see that as much. And I think that's really hard. Like I would, I would definitely have a hard time mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another part of that, you know, is the is the high fives and the hugging and those types of things. I mean, those things aren't happening. You know, teachers are finding creative ways like, um, you know, doing air hugs at school or air high fives or, you know, like elbows or whatever it is. So it is it's hard to watch the kids go through 
right of not getting that reassurance and that smile. It's also very hard, you know, to teach academically reading and phonics with a mask on when you're looking at the kids and you say things like, what does TH make? Well, it makes And the only way that you can see that is if you can see my mouth. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So there's a lot of pieces there too, I think, you know, that create some challenges. And so I know that, you know, there's different teachers that are recording themselves, you know, doing it. And then they loom over the TV so that the kids can see it and things like that. I know in our school, um, a lot of the teachers were encouraged to put a smiling picture outside of their door of themselves um, without their mask on too. So, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So in what ways has COVID-19 changed how your classroom works? I mean, you kind of already answered this, mm-hmm. um, but do you have anything else to add to that? Uh, um, just like environmentally and academic? No, I think academically we're seeing that students are trying to get back to what they consider their new norm. Mm-hmm. And if we really step back and look, um, one of the things I, I thought was interesting, you know, we talk about, oh my gosh, the kids are going to be so far behind and, you know, they've missed out on all these skills. But what we don't focus on or what we don't talk about is what about those kids that in that short amount of time that we were thrown into having to learn a new system and learn a new way to learn and not be able to be with friends and not be able to see a teacher, they've learned crazy technology skills, mm-hmm. right? Like, things that you would never ever think kids small kids kindergarten first second grade could learn they've learned to copy paste and they've learned you know to do all sorts of technology things that we didn't really know before they know how to get into google classroom and find their assignments Mm -hmm. and so i think it's taught them a lot in that aspect and i don't think i think people talk about academically you know are they far behind Well, sure, they're going to be a little behind um, because of what has happened. But I don't think we give them enough credit for what they have accomplished in such a short amount of time. For sure. Um, So how have your students been impacted by COVID-19 positive, negatively? So I thought a lot about this um, when you when you asked me this question, because I personally, I truly think they've been act, like impacted negatively and positively. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds like weird to say, right? Because typically in a situation that's been like this and everybody kind of is so sad about it and every all the stuff that's going on, um, I don't think we think there's any positives that come out of it. But some things that I did know when I was trying to think through this question was there's a lot of different angles, right? So so you have a couple examples. You had the kid that normally doesn't have a lot of time with the family because they run a busy schedule. I mean, families were home. They ate dinner together. Mm-hmm. They talked to each other. You know, there's their schedules dumbed down. And then like on the other hand, you had the kiddos who parents maybe worked um, in medical fields and they didn't, you know, they couldn't be with them or they had to be quarantined separately. And so for the kiddo that got a lot more time with their parents, you know, that was a positive probably experience for them. Um, And the kids that, you know, maybe didn't or didn't have that support at home, you know, that might have impacted them negatively as well. Mm -hmm. You know, the important thing to note, I think, is positively and negatively, obviously, kids were missing out on important interactions. And I think that's the big thing that we look at, like friends, classmates, teachers, faculty. And when I say all those people, I mean, sometimes, 
you know, it's the janitor that smiles at you every day that makes a difference, you know, or the music teacher, or I love art and that's like my outlet. And so I think both things kind of happened. I think both were affected negatively and positively. But most of all, I think that they, they missed out on, you know, all that time in school and some important learning opportunities Mm -hmm. as well. So have you seen like a difference in the students between like last year and this year? You know, say they haven't interacted with their friends in a while. Like, can you can you see that this year? You know, it seems very strange because when we came back to school, we all thought, oh, my gosh, the kids are never going to be able to keep their masks on. They're never going to be able to sit in their chairs as long as they have to because they can't be up moving around. The teachers are doing a fantastic job with the gold noodles and the, you know, songs and the music and and all the things they're trying to incorporate to get the kids, like, up and moving next to their desk, right? Like, we haven't seen that big problem with masks like kids leave them on and they get used to it and I mean what I've noticed and or have noted is that our shorter days we are seeing less behavioral issues for the kids that sometimes that day is just too long Mm -hmm. and so if you have some of those behavioral issues in your classroom day after day they do interfere with your schedule and your time with kids and teaching. And so if you're dealing with that, sometimes the 25 are sitting there waiting why you have to deal with that behavior issue. And so I would say that's a huge difference of what I see compared to last year or years in the past and this year. That being said, like the difference in behavioral issues in the shortened day, do you think there ever is an end um, after COVID is hopefully gone or settled or what whatnot? Do you think, you know, schools will realize like, okay, a shortened day maybe isn't so bad for the students? Like, do you think that will like carry on? I think it's hard to say. So currently our school day is um, a seven hour school day. Mm-hmm. And obviously the the max for Illinois is five hours. Yeah. And um you know, we're right at, right now, we're right at about, what, four hours-ish yeah. in school. I think in your, unless you're a teacher and you kind of see what's going on in the classrooms and you see the difference, yeah. you wouldn't see the benefit of it. You know, you wouldn't see that it has so many less behavioral issues and things like that. It's hard because I do feel like the kids are missing out on, you know, some specials and some extra things that we might have time to do. But I also do think a seven hour a day is a very long time for the kids and they do get antsy by the end of the day. And so you're probably not getting their best work out of them. Yeah. So if you don't mind me asking, in in your opinion, would you prefer a shortened day than seven hours? You know, it. It would just depend. Obviously, um, in years past, the caseloads have been much higher because what we're seeing is that some kids are remote currently for special education. And, you know, if they have pre-existing conditions and things like that, parents haven't sent them back. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing like a smaller caseload. So I feel like for me, I would never in the past have been able to do what I do right now. That's true, yeah because of my caseload size. And so because my caseload size is smaller because we have, you know, maybe less kids in school because they are remote, I really honestly don't know how that would work out, you know? Yeah. So it would be dependent on the size of your caseload. For sure. Okay. Do you think COVID has added like any stress onto the students? 
So originally my answer would have been, yeah, I think coming to school, thinking about getting sick or bringing it home to your family or, you know, having to wear a mask all day. You know, my background was it started as a residential treatment facility and I had all kids that either had been abused or those types of things. And wearing a mask for some of those kids could be a very hard experience Mm -hmm. if they've been traumatized or have trauma in the past. And so originally my answer would have been because I came from a setting like that. Yeah, I do. I do think it would put stress on the kids. Um, And I think maybe if they were going full day, it, it would be more stressful for them. But I think after... 52 days in school now, lucky us. I would I would have to say the kids are coping well with little sign of distress. And just that I would note that teachers are, are at school and they've stayed very positive and they continue to show love for school and teaching. And I think that kind of masks that stress for kids. It kind of gives us a, an opportunity to put that smiley face on, even though it's covered and you know, keep going. Yeah. I would just like to affirm like all teachers, like I think they've done such a fantastic job. And I know we talked about this, but I think it's really important for people to hear that, like Mm -hmm. how many long nights teachers have gone through trying to navigate how to teach their students in a way that, you know, fits the CDC rules and still services class in every way that they can. The needs of the Um, other students. Yeah, Yeah. I I think it's like they're the unsung heroes of COVID-19. So this is kind of going off path. So for the students who've gone through that trauma and, you know, who may live in a more difficult household and or like where abuse is, is present, how do you think all of this has affected them? Like when school is usually their safe haven, like how do you think it's affected them? Yeah, so I mean, we're talking a lot about that, right? During COVID because social emotional issues are on the rise, right? Depression and anxiety and those types of things. And so I think kind of when we look at that, we have to say there's two sides of the coin, right? Like remote is is working for some people and it's working for their families and um, they've worked it out after a long stretch of learning all of it. And I feel like, you know, we don't know what certain kids go through. And so it's so hard to think about weeks and weeks and weeks that they were home that maybe they didn't get fed or, you know, the proper care wasn't happening or they love coming to school because that's, like you said, their safe haven. It's, to me, it's kind of, it just feels, I don't know, kind of like a sad situation, you know, because we we never really know what we are up against, you know, and especially a lot of those situations where abuse does occur, you know, maybe the teacher is the one to see that and have to report it. And so if that teacher isn't seeing those kids and checking in with them daily, you know, seeing them on a screen sometimes isn't always the best indicator. The biggest thing I could say about is to, you know, if obviously there's a abuse situation that was present Mm -hmm. prior to that you knew of, that had been reported or, you know, things that you saw that maybe just weren't right. It's always good to just give an extra phone call, you know, and just say, how are things going? Or, you know, like maybe stay on the call for five minutes extra. Do you need any extra help with anything? Um, But 
Also, I think it's the most important thing is to try and encourage those parents to get those kids back into school. Yeah. You know, given that the day, the school day is a little bit shortened, do you think students are learning like as much as they were before? So the first thing I'm going to say is I think that teachers are working harder than they ever yeah, have been sure. to uh, to have that be able to provide that meaningful instruction for kids, um, despite of all the restrictions and all of the issues that we're working against. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we are seeing those less behavioral things inside class. And so I think, you know, that cuts down on some of that time where you're redirecting kids all day long. It's a lot different to get a first grader to focus in four hours than it is in seven hours, yeah. you know? And so I think the students are doing a good job. I think the teachers are doing a spectacular job getting and doing the things that they need to do in order to get those kids to their learning spot. But I also, you know, think that going shorter days, it gives us an opportunity to really focus on those core subjects. Yeah. And so, yeah, we might not be getting as much music or PE or math or um, art or things like that in, but we really are honing in on that reading and that math and those other subjects that are super important yeah. that we know we need to hit each day. Have you seen that like benefiting the students having like just focusing on those core subjects? So I do think the focus is better for kiddos because it's a shorter amount of time that they're in school, yeah. right? Like I can make it to 1215, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and I think that's kind of how they think about it. But I also think they like it. They know when the end is, you know, um, seven hour days are long days. Yeah. So how have teachers and faculty been affected by the pandemic? Because you guys, you guys have had to undergo a lot of stress. Um, like, how have you been affected? So obviously we've, there's a lot of different things, right? Like we were ripped away in the middle of the school year, which was like a, it was, it was, it's a huge thing for teachers. I mean, every year when you get a brand new set of kids, right, you know, you have until May with them, you know, and think teachers thought in March, okay, well, it's going to be two weeks. We're going to stay home. We're going to have spring break and we're going to come out and finish the year. And when that didn't happen, it was, it was devastating. You know, like I, I remember talking to some of my colleagues and like we were crying. It's like, we're not going to see our kids anymore. Like those won't be our kids next year. And it's a little easier for special education because if it is, it happens to be a kindergarten or a first grader, yeah. right? I, I would have them again that following year. But like some of my fourth graders, I will never see again yeah. because they moved to an entirely different building. So like they were ripped away in March and then, you know, had to go to another building. And teachers had to adapt the way that they taught so much, mm -hmm. right? You look at what they had to do in that short amount of time, come up with a plan, come up with lesson plans, how to get it on the computer, what program to use, Google Classroom, figure it out, Zoom, figure it out, you know, um, yeah. technology pieces, figure it out, how to make Google Classrooms, figure it out. You know, I mean, it was all these things at once, you know, that you were like, I know the curriculum, but all this other stuff is just way too much. And so yeah. I think, you know, they've, teachers all over, right, have learned so much technology-wise. Yeah. I feel like teachers 
really need self-care and um mm-hmm. and i i feel like that is not talked about enough like is there anything you've done for yourself to kind of just like help you get through it and just make it easier well i am an avid shopper so. Oh, okay so, <laughs> um <laughs> so i do like my shopping but i think it's about building a community and this year has been a good year i think to build that community with your staff members and other people in your building, just to know that, you know, sometimes you just go down and have a short conversation or bring a coffee or, you know, bring a coffee cup or a smile or whatever you can do to kind of build those relationships to kind of feel like you have a family with a family. But I also do like, and then that's work things, right? That's work related things to kind of relieve some of the stress. But obviously spending time with my family is my things too. Well, and also too, you know, I think that um, when we looked at what the teachers were doing, they were really, I mean, really heroes. I mean, I have friends that had three to five kids at home and they were working their job from home and they were homeschooling. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did not. And, you know, in the beginning, have it figured out yeah. by any means, you know. I mean, it probably wasn't until April, you know, a month into it that we're like, okay, we finally got the hang of it. But I know for myself personally, you know, I was writing down all my co- my daughter's scheduled times for things she had to be on Zoom for and the projects she had to do. And then I had to take pictures and upload them to Seesaw. I had to figure out Seesaw because I had never used it before, you know, and she had to complete these assignments and I had these things that I had to do with my kids at yeah. certain times. Wow. And then, you know, we were still running IEP meetings. You still had to do all the paperwork in the IEP meetings, but it had to be all digital. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were running meetings through Zoom, which is hard because I feel like a lot of that paperwork is, you know, for parents, it's educational jargon. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you sit down with a parent that's not across the table from you and say, here's the stuff in the IEP, this, 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 and this. And it just feels like you're talking at them, you know? So with the IEPs, like, do you think, just from your observation in like the weird online school last year do you or have you noticed that like the students who have IEPs have they been able to like master the goals that they had prior to like COVID and stuff like that that's hard a lot of the goals that you're looking at if we take reading for an example right um their goal was maybe to read you know 60 words per minute on a grade level passage with 90 percent accuracy yeah unless you were meeting with kids one-on-one, that was very hard to do. And last year, my caseload was between 13 to 15. There's not 15 hours in a day, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when you look at that, I couldn't have met with all my kids, you know, day to day. Mm -hmm. So it was was hard to try and how do we assess these goals And I think what we were really seeing was there was there was no way to do dibbles mm-hmm. over the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they kind of have it worked out now just because we've been doing it so long yeah. and we try. But, you know, even the things we were seeing with like the maps, you know, they would take it at home and their score looked a lot different at home yeah. than it did at school. Yeah. And, you know, uh, partially because the parents didn't know they couldn't read it to them or, you know, they were they were gifting the answers to them yeah. without trying to gift the answers to them. And so y- you saw a lot of that as well. Yeah. So how how is like this whole circumstance challenged you as a teacher? I think the biggest challenge 
was in the beginning, right? Just getting started with how to do this so that it is effective for kids. I don't want to just show up on my Zoom call and be there, you know, um, just teaching math that nobody's understanding. And so I think it's a, it was a clear balance of how can I get the kids involved with materials they don't have, you know, at home because we were ripped out um, and most of us didn't have our materials at home. And a lot of the buildings weren't allowing you to go back in to get your stuff. And so when we left in March, we expected to be back in a week or two. And then here we were teaching the rest of the year, not allowed to go in our classrooms and get our stuff. And so, um, you know, those were all challenges. Um, And, you know, technology is an issue. It always is, you know, we're on a Zoom call and everyone's cutting out. We're on a Zoom call and the internet drops, you know? And so those were challenges through the situation. I mean, good for you and like for pushing through and like fighting for your students because a lot of people could have just like showed up Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, did what they had to do to survive. Um, But it it sounds like, and what I've seen from observing you and uh, other teachers at your school, like you guys really made an effort to fight for your students. um, And I love that and I appreciate that so much. And I'm sure a bunch of other people do as well. Thank you. All right. How have the new adaptations in the classroom better the students or challenged the students? Um, Well, obviously when we look at, you know, and I kind of talked about this earlier and touched on it, the kids, right, learned crazy technology skills. When you're looking now at kindergartners and first graders um, that are looking at different ways to learn material through the computer or through Google Classroom or how to pull it up, and then you have Seesaw and all these different programs. And it's funny, right? Because they, they're teaching their parents. Know, no, that's yeah. not the button you press. You have to press this button. And so, I mean, I would say their technology skills moving forward is going to help them definitely better prepare for the future. We all know that technology is a big thing in this uh, you know, day and age. And so if we learn it and the kids learn to how to navigate it, it would be a lot easier, you know, in the long run, I think, for them. I wonder if this generation is going to be like rock stars with technology in the future. Well, well, you know, and I also think, too, when I first started teaching 10, 11 years ago, in my teaching classes, they were always like, okay, well, make sure you have one technology piece. Well, my technology piece was my overhead. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, kids don't even know what those are now, you know? And so when you think about just in a short 11 years, how much has changed. I'm now putting my work online Mm -hmm. from them to go in and read and I can level it all to their level, you know, in Google Classroom and I can assign it on a certain day to post. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's really remarkable how much it's changed in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Do you think that's helpful? Like the the fact that you're able to like, you know, pick a specific level for the student? Yeah, I, I do. Obviously, you know, the way you're able to kind of create things, problem being is that it takes a very long yeah, time. It's very time consuming. To, you know, all these new like virtual classrooms and, and things like that. I mean, it takes me over an hour, you know, every couple months I redo my virtual classroom yeah. and it takes me a couple hours just to get my opening screen, (laughs) you know, something new for the kids to look at. So will this event in history 
impact how you will? My answer to that question is that I know I honestly don't know. Yeah, you know, um, it's hard to say what the classrooms will look like once, but we get back to full time school yeah. with no restrictions. Um, I think most teachers will always have this experience in the back of their minds. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it was the time that they told you you were going home for a couple of weeks and it ended up being months and um, it hit us so quickly. And I know many teachers, um, we like to be prepared. We like to know what's next. And I think that's what's hard is like a lot of teachers are type A personality. Right. And they want to know exactly what time they do this. And we have this at this time. Um, and that kind of all went out the window with this. So I feel that we'll always take these events into account when we're looking at our classrooms from now on and, and the possibilities of this happening again. You know, like I said, currently I teach like I'm doing it online. Yeah. Because if it ever switched tomorrow, I would have it done, you know? And so my read alouds are, you know, through the computer and my, obviously I'm, I'm in person and I'm able to talk to my student and add some more help if they need it. Um, but all my materials are currently online. So like with what we were talking about, like the technology aspect, do you think you'll add more technology into your classroom? I will say that I'm an old school, hands-on learning experience. I think especially with special ed, kids learn by doing it, you know? And my biggest problem with technology is I think that we live in such a technology saturated life. And I think it's fine for some things. Um, and there are some things that I will carry on after this is over um, just to, you know, I think it'll be good to have my kids know how to navigate it yeah. and work with it and maybe use some of it for like sc- smaller group activities. Um, but I want to get back to small group teaching. I want to get back to using manipulatives and being in front of my kids and talking them through you know, their work and their problems they're having and and those types of things. Yeah. Is it hard for you to like, let's say you have a student um, who's struggling in a specific area. Is it hard for you not to, you know, just jump in with those like manipulatives and small groups and stuff like that? Yeah. You and I have even talked mm-hmm. a little bit about how different my teaching looks now compared to you know, what it used to look like. And I do struggle with that because I am a hands-on experienced person. I am, hey, let's try it a different way. And so coming up creatively with ways to try it where we don't always have to be using a manipulative or other things. I mean, yes, there's virtual manipulatives and yes, they're okay, but there is something to be said about that touching sensory piece you know, and your brain and how it connects with that experience. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like when I watched you with one of the students um, who was using manipulatives, like you got like it, or, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I like, I think it clicked with her much faster when she was able to use her hands yeah. and like the... And um, you can almost see the thinking. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what I love about that experience is that technology will tell you you have the right or wrong answer, yeah. but watching them do it mm-hmm. shows you where the discrepancy yeah, is. For sure. For sure. We were also kind of talking about, too, um, 
you know, another thing I wanted to point out with special education was a technology has been a help, right? And some of those fine motor skills like writing, kids don't get as frustrated because typing is a lot easier than writing. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot goes into writing. I have to think about how I'm going to formulate the letters. Mm-hmm. How am I going to get them on a piece of paper? What size are they going to be? You know, and, and then I have to get my thought down. And so my teacher that I work with and I, we were talking about these questions in this interview today. And that was one of the things she had mentioned to me too. She's got quite a few kids in OT. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I just, you know, it's so much easier for them because they can drag and drop things Mm -hmm. um, and they don't have to write the answer and they don't have to cut things out and they don't have to write it down. And so it's made it a lot easier for those kiddos. Yeah. Would you prefer them to be writing or do you think it's like a good transition to type? I think it's good and bad, right? I know. There's good good and bad pieces to it because fine motor, you want to build that skill up. Okay. But at the same time, a lot of times that writing piece will cause frustration. And so what's better? And that's kind of what the teacher I work with and I were talking about today. She would argue that right now it's better for her, Mm -hmm. right? It's she's seeing that the kids will do more or take more chances to get it wrong because they know they don't have to erase it and write it all over again, right? And so they'll take those more chances like, okay, well, maybe this is the answer, you know, and type it out. Oh, okay, I can just delete it. And then, you know, it's a lot easier. And so I think it's hit or miss with Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, obviously we want the kids writing. Yeah. Um, because it does build the muscles and the very brain. Skill, and, yeah. and it is an important skill. However, you know, if you never use it, then, you know, there are different devices and things like that that some kids do need for a lifetime. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, how how do you think COVID has changed education? And do you think it will continue to carry over after hopefully all of the virus stuff is gone? So I think um, it's really shown the students and teachers this ability to be very flexible Mm -hmm. in any situation. I think we take for granted sometimes, you know, we just have like these easy days and we come to school and everything goes the way it should and whatever. And so teachers are think out of the box type of people anyways. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really pushed us in that way, Mm -hmm. right? It's pushed us in a flexibility way to say, okay, well, maybe I can't get that done today. You know, maybe I have to think about a different way to do it or do those types of things. And, and also, you know, like I said earlier, the tech, the technology skills Mm -hmm. have really just changed. Um, the way we're using the technology and the amount of technology we're using and those types of things. So we've really learned to like adapt and change the way of learning and teaching, you know, and we did that overnight. You know, that was something that we did overnight. And I hope we can keep positive vibes and keep going and, you know, make these things that have happened to us that maybe seem like a negative situation just keep them positive and keep them going and move on with the situation. Yeah, I think that'll be extremely important. It, it is so easy to be negative at this time. Mm-hmm. You guys are doing a really good job not showing your frustrations. Well, I really appreciate you coming to answer all these questions. You made it very interesting. It was a very fantastic conversation. This has been Charting Uncharted Waters, Special Education in the Days of COVID a project of the Olivet Nazarene University Special Education Program. 
Special thanks to the teachers and schools in our area who continue to do great work no matter what comes their way. Thanks also to the Frias family, whose generous support has made this and several other projects possible. Finally, a huge thanks to Professor Brian Utter in the Communications Department at Olivet, particularly for recommending Shimada Fontes. Shimada's hard work and ability have made this podcast come to life. Find out more about Olivet and the Special Education Teacher Training Program at olivet.edu.